Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 603 with a review of Bad Education. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a streaming platform near you. This week, we are talking about a film that is coming to, uh, or has come to, HBO. Um, so... I think this is the first thing we've reviewed, maybe ever, that was released directly to HBO. Yeah, like, I've I've had top ten lists that included them. Um, oh, you, you mean when you included miniseries that you called a movie? No, no, no. I mean, like, The Tale was an HBO movie, oh, okay, and I think you. even maybe last year I had one. I can't remember. Who can tell? 2019 was 800 years ago now. But yeah, I don't think we've ever reviewed a direct-to-HBO or direct-to-any-streaming platform release, for that matter, except for maybe recently a direct-to-Netflix uh, pa- movie. Pa- Paddleton, yeah, yeah. We've done Paddleton. Right, yeah, yeah, Paddleton. And te- technically, we did Marriage Story, but we we reviewed it from TIFF. Um, yeah. But yeah, speaking of TIFF, um, he, we're talking about a film tonight called Bad Education, which we originally had booked tickets for to see when we were at TIFF last year. Um, but last minute ish, we, uh, we were able, Steven was able to procure tickets to go see, um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, neighborhood. which is a film that at least for me was one of my most anticipated films to see specifically because holy shit, that documentary we saw about Mr. Rogers wrecked me hard. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, if, if the documentary wrecked me hard, imagine giving me a narrative version of the same thing, but with one Tom Hanks coronavirus p- defeater. Uh, like, I, like why? I mean, at the time, I didn't know about coronavirus because it didn't exist yet. But, like, just the idea of, of feeling the feels that we felt during the documentary about Mr. Rogers, but with Tom Hanks as the lead playing the titular Mr. Rogers, uh, I, I was very excited and and thought that, like, obviously we should bump Bad Education for the Mr. Rogers movie at TIFF, because why the hell not? Um, so we did that. Steven, did we collectively like the Mr. Rogers film? We did not collectively like the Mr. Rogers film. I have often wondered if I should watch it a second time only because of the sheer number of people who have maintained love for the movie. But you and I were both very not into that movie. We recorded, that was one of the TIFF films that we recorded a review of immediately after viewing it, Yeah, which we tried to do for everything. And then about halfway through the festival, we just gave up on the backlog and figured like, we'll record it when we get home. Yeah, but I, and, I and remember also, we didn't, to, to be fair for that film, Directly after A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, we watched the film Knives Out, <laughs> which right. is fantastic. Um, so yep. in between, I mean, I mean, we both walked out of that film not happy with how it turned out. But then we also went and watched Knives Out, uh, Ryan Johnson's film. And it, that film was fantastic. So by the time we sat down to actually do the... No, did, we, did we record in between? I think we did. But so was that day Two Popes... Two Beautiful popes. day, knives out. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Blackbird shoved in the middle, or Blackbird was Friday? Blackbird, I think Blackbird was, was Friday. Not that day. Looking, ba- uh, Blackbird was the Friday. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we recorded in between. So while yeah. we waited for Knives Out, we recorded everything leading up to Knives Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I was not a fan of Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I thought I was going to get a beautiful. Tom Hanks movie about Mr. Rogers and what I got was a bargain bin Zach Braff movie about being and having a father. (laughs) Instead I I got a story about a guy who didn't do his assignment correctly. (laughs) Right. Spoilers for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Whereas we could have been watching a movie where everyone was doing their job exactly as they were supposed to be doing it. (laughs) Touche, Stephen. Touche. I mean, technically, if I take this film at its word, they were all doing their job exactly as they were supposed to be doing. 
but also extracurricularly doing their job in a way that benefited them. This is true. Uh, according to the real life story as well, they were very successful at their job, just also successful at other things at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if you're good at your job, why not make a little scratch on the side? I mean, that's that's right. a motto I've always lived by. Ain't no harm in that, <laughs> is what I always say. <laughs> is that a callback to <laughs> Blow the Man yeah, Down? it's a callback to an episode that is not the episode they're listening to. All right, well, since they are listening to this episode and we're still drinking 17% beers, what do you <laughs> say, Stephen? We take a listen to the trailer for Bad Education and then come back and give them a review. Let's do it. You look tired. Tired is kicking my ass. I would kill somebody for a carb right now. I don't know where you could find one. You're such a bitch. Oh, would you like a bite? Come on, use the fucking sandwich. Good morning. I wanted to make a difference. Look, we did. I got us all the way to number four. And I will get us to number one. These are the best early decision numbers that we've ever seen. They want me to write an article about the new budget. Oh, okay. Soundbite. Nice. You want to write this down? Or are you... Uh... I'm taping. Oh. Okay. It's just a puff piece. It's only a puff piece if you let it be a puff piece. Come. What? Quick. Uh... a very real crime here. A theft of taxpayer money. The sum total is 250000 Everything's fine. You can't jump the gun here. Not when there's this much at stake. We need to know what we're dealing with. Frank. After everything we've worked for. Frank, you get this far. Frank. We have nothing to worry about. Frank's gonna fix this. This kind of behavior, it's cruel. It's sociopathic. Sociopathic? I am... I'm ashamed of my actions. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm, there's no excuse for it. Well, the sociopathy. Yeah, but... That... If a scandal gets out, we will lose everything. Some people come do the most horrible things. All right, so that was the trailer for Bad Education. It is the dramatized retelling of a true life story about a school superintendent and uh, or school district superintendent. I don't know how school yeah. systems work. Um, and uh, some of his colleagues who embezzled money from the school district in the year that this film represents. <laughs> Stephen Miller, <Right. laughs> what did you think of Bad Education? I thought this movie was quite good, though not quite as good as I was hoping it would be. It, it it lives in an interesting genre. I was trying to pinpoint what it is. It, a part of it, it has that celebrities playing dress-up joy that I think Bombshell wanted you to have, right? The we are telling a juicy true story and we're, you know, not pulling any punches in our way to telling it. It It runs kind of like a procedural, which is weird to say because it's a very zippy movie, but I feel like it has a kind of let's just directly tell the story without overly dramatizing parts flair where it just lets it kind of unfold however a investigator would discover things unfolding and then it has extremely scenery chewy and very compelling performances that just it, it it makes it live in this interesting place where it is not fully comedic and it is not fully dramatic and it is not trying to be true to life but it is also not trying to put style first it, it it's doing a lot of things in a very interesting way and i yeah. think 
for the most part, it works very well. Things that work extremely well. Hugh Jackman is fantastic in this movie. But, no, like, great. one of the best Hugh Jackman performances I've ever seen, probably. Maybe the best. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure off the top of my head. He's really good in The Front Runner, too, which is a Jason Reitman movie that kind of nobody saw uh, last year. But, yeah, between those, it's just... He is really, really good... Janny is always Janny, right? And she definitely pulls that off here. The kind of the wisecracking, you know, cigarette smoking woman who has it all figured out and who is kind of everything she knows about the world has already been soured. And now she's just trying to like get the most out of her life. I think there is a lot to recommend in this movie, especially as it pertains to the the lofty ambitions of people who want to live in a higher social circle than they are. And it's kind of about a heist that is not that high and mighty. It's like a heist that's <laughs> kind of meager when you do the math on everything. It's a heist if no one was in the room and the safe was open. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's And of course, they stole lots of money, and it is public money. I think... I don't know what the trailer reveals, but this is based on a true story. So I think it is okay to say that it's about embezzling funds from a public school district. And the total number is in the millions that was embezzled all in by these people. But I don't know if you have looked into it. I have not. But I imagine these school districts must get many tens of millions of dollars that they're dealing with every year. Right. That, That is my guess. They're huge and rather well funded because they have rich people everywhere. So it is a hundred percent a crime. It is a problem. It is sociopathic the behavior that they have. But you do so get the I, sense that you are watching. I, I'm. I'm going to say something that I'm going to blame on drinking a beer that I can't pronounce. That is seventeen yeah. percent alcohol over the course of reviewing three one. Films. That point one is really what is about to yeah. It's seventeen point one into saying what you're about to say. But I, I'm just caveat everything I say with alcohol. The money that goes to a school district is meant to produce results. If some of that disappears, but the results are met, where's the crime in that? <laughs> this is literally what any embezzlement scandal in the world has as its justification is nobody will notice no, I, it I, like I, I'm, I'm providing not, results i so i'm i'm not true 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 yeah i i'm not i'm not honestly trying to argue that there is no crime committed what i'm saying though is no harm no foul <laughs> well well i think there is i i don't fully believe no harm no foul but i do believe this is supposed to be a mundane crime Right. It it is a crime of people whose, I don't know, their their eyes are too big for their stomach, right? They want more. But the scale of things that they are doing, it is huge in terms of being a public figure, like in terms of working for a public school district. Yeah. That, That is a huge betrayal of trust. But in terms of the impact on the world, if, let's say, you just watched a movie where a guy guns down 8,000 Bangladeshis, um, (laughs) it it doesn't feel all that huge. And I think that is part of the charm of this movie is that it is – I don't want to bring up the Coen brothers again because we literally just talked about them. But it it is about this middle ground of characters that are – lords of their own tiny kingdom where no one else gives a fuck about their kingdom, right? That That is kind of the the humor of this movie is how how dense the inner workings of this wheeling and dealing school district are considering most of the world would not know or care about any of the minutia that they're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Their, their big thing is building a skywalk to get from one part of the school to another. And... I don't think it is a spoiler for the movie because it's pretty obvious the moment it is introduced that is going to be used to probably embezzle and enrich people who shouldn't be enriched yeah, in, yeah. by virtue of that. But the the stakes are low. And I think that is what makes this movie both fun and a little hard for me to pin down is that it goes pretty slow. 
it plays kind of as a woe isn't this zany look at us tell you this true story that you will not believe is true but the story itself is not all that ridiculous the story is very human and it is on a very human level and i think i respect it for that i'm glad that this movie is down to earth that it doesn't have to up the stakes with some imaginary fake thing that is much, much worse than embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. But the the way it plays just puts it in this interesting middle ground where it is not as huge as the trailer wants to make it seem, but it also isn't small and intimate. It's still larger than life. And I think I enjoyed watching it, but I haven't figured out how to pin that down. And for me, it... I never knew quite how to take this movie as I followed it. So that that's basically how I feel. I think the the acting is great. I love all the side. They threw pretty much anyone who has been in a high school movie, they're just like, yeah, you can be in this movie too, right? American Vandal, <laughs> sure, be in it, this movie. It was Alex funny. Wolf. This, this entire film, like I, <laughs> I, I was watching this film with my girlfriend and the entire film, all I said was like, Oh, that's the person from this movie. Oh, that's the person from this movie. Oh, that's the person right. from this movie. Oh, wait, hold on. Yep. That's the person from this movie. Yeah. Like, Hey, paper towns, come in here. <laughs> we, we've got you too. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was fun. It, it just, I, I didn't completely know what it added up to, but I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching it. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, I obviously I've made some comments <laughs> before getting to my review about the context of the world this film exists in. I think this film is doing the the story this film wants to tell is slightly interesting. And I think that the the context under which it wants to choose whether or not to vilify this character um is an interesting thing to grapple with. I mean, I've I I'm I am dating a teacher. Um not his teacher, just so we're clear. <laughs> not not my teacher. I'm dating a teacher. Um everyone listening to this podcast has had a teacher obviously throughout the course of their life and i think that this film the characters in this film that are doing the crime are addressing a situation in which there is a discrepancy between the amount of work which is put into trying to um provide an education and a furthering of life skills to a group of people who will never fundamentally appreciate the amount of energy that is going into trying to make you better people and prepare you for the life that you will have in the future. And this is fundamentally a story about a person who has devoted their life to providing avenues for people to succeed in their own lives, but their only solace in the work they've done is the memory they have for the people that they have taught yeah. and where those people have ended up. And that aspect of the story is interesting and is saying something that I think people might not think of on their general day-to-day -day lives, right? Like you, you, there are, we all have our favorite teachers that we remember, whether it be, my like my biology teacher, Mr. Collins in high school, amazing. My college math professor, uh, Mr. Pickett, um, amazing. Like these are people who fundamentally made me appreciate subjects that defined my ability to want to learn. But there are so many other teachers that I've had throughout my life that I don't appreciate. And this is a story about a person who is unappreciated, trying to take something for himself while still providing that, uh, that benefit to the people that, um, that need what he is giving them, but like still trying to like be able to have something for himself while giving every single thing that he has about him. That part of that story is interesting. It is four minutes of this film. <laughs> right. The rest of this film... Are you talking about like the moments with Raphael Casal or something, the I, blind spotting guy? No, no, no. I'm I'm spe specifically talking about like four minutes of this film where uh, Hugh Jackman 
justifies try, attempts to justify his actions like right. that's okay. where this With film Romano, right? yeah 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 that's where this film wants to give this character his moment to explain why he did what he did besides that this film does this very very strange thing where it devotes so much of the screen time to the fact that this character is gay and that he wants plastic surgery because he's very, very um, concerned about how his physical appearance is to other people. Like, this film feels like it was made five, ten years ago in a world where it's trying to discredit this the character of this person and say, like, oh, here's all these other things about his personal life that explain why he could do something so heinous. But it doesn't, like, it... I don't I don't I don't understand why so much of this film is dedicated to his personal personal character when every other m- minute of the film is dedicated to how amazing a teacher he was before he came became a superintendent and how successful he was as a superintendent. And I think that I, I just don't understand. It's written from a point of view that doesn't feel current in modern day. And I don't understand why the story was told this way. Like, on paper, this is a story about a high school journalism student who uncovers an, embe- an embezzlement scheme within her high school. But the reality of the film is she's also doing this, <laughs> but other people figure out what's going on, too. And it doesn't hit the media until a student paper publishes some information about it but we we never see the actual article that is published and we just see the headline and we don't see the actual connections that are in there i mean i obviously it's stupid to compare this to a film like spotlight <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is but like i want to that's why i said procedural right it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. does kind of play as if it were one of those movies yeah, yeah but like spotlight is like if you know nothing about journalism you watch Spotlight and you're like, fuck, this is how much work goes into the episode of the daily that I listen to every morning, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it, 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 it shows you the amount of effort and, and sort of like devotion it takes to spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to solve a mystery that you found on one line of a receipt that you got from somebody. And I think this film takes a shortcut to that and just says like, this is a true story. They were embezzling and it was uncovered by this girl in the school who wrote about it in her newspaper. And it takes one line from a character that says, Hey, it's only a puff puff piece. If you let it be a puff piece and turns that into a whole movie. And this feels to me, this film feels like this story hit the, the, the world newspapers and somebody sight unseen said, I want the rights to that. Get them for me. And then it came time to make the movie and they realized there wasn't that much there and then made the movie based on what information they had. And I think that this story is an elevator pitch that is stretched to an hour and a half and not a extremely compelling story. Hmm. Interesting. I think I disagree with your read on the movie, which is unusual in the spoiler warning um, canon. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm willing to, like I said, like all bets are off when we're in Coronaville. Like, oh, of course, this yeah, is nobody, like nobody knows anything. Yeah. yeah. I, so I also was I I did not love this movie. Right. Spoilers. I'm not going to, to give this a must see. I think. It lives in a strange middle ground between procedural and star-studded celebrities in makeup movie. Like, I, I feel like it doesn't know exactly what tone it wants to strike. But to me, the you mentioned that it feels like somebody said, sight unseen, give me the rights to this amazing true story. I'm going to make a movie about it. And then decades later, realized there wasn't much there. I think the low stakes are part of the point of this movie. I think this is less about the true story and more about the the motivation of mundane white-collar crime and embezzlement and how 
public funds and how being the lord of a very small kingdom can change a person and what it does to their character. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the way this movie plays with his sexuality, I, there were moments that I was uncomfortable with that. I think the the first appearance of Raphael Cazal, it felt, it did feel like it was playing into a kind of early aughts type of movie and what that would imply about secrecy and deception and stuff that yeah. doesn't really have place in a 2020 film. But I do think the character that it is depicting is living dual lives, right? He is living in a closet called the Upper East Side. And th that ties in with sexuality because this is early like 2000s, presumably yeah. he could not be open about these things. But it also is about every aspect of his personality and the way he he needs to maintain his image. And his image has become a thing that is his undoing, right? The, yeah. There's a scene early in this movie where he tells a person to follow the story wherever it leads. And he does that because he is on autopilot. He is the good, charismatic guy who always has the right advice. I know your brother. I know you. I know what major you want, and I know what college you want to go to. Let me tell you what they're going to teach you, right? He has this thing, and it is, it is half being a good superintendent, and it is half a... I don't know the right word. It, it is half a delusion of grandeur, I think. It, it's both of those at the same time of this but, is how he, important but, I am. But at least taking the film at its word, he is amazing at his job. Like, right. And there is some... I, I, I don't know enough about the breakdown of how the hierarchy within a school system works. Um, because... There are scenes where Hugh Jackman is talking about how the people on the board of the school district are making X figures and they have fancy ass houses and everything is amazing for them because they're just fucking well paid to the nines. Right. And I and and he doesn't have that, but he is he is the superintendent of the school and he is directly responsible for the success that the school has had. So I don't that. Part of the problem is that this film is un. I, I think the thing that bothers me is the film is uninterested in explaining the context of the relationship between roles within a school's hierarchy and a school district's hierarchy, and is more and is more concerned with trying to explain the extracurricular behaviors of our main character who is doing the crime. Yep. And to me, that is the thing that bothers me. Like it is, tr it, it feels in the letter of the text of the film that they're trying to draw a direct line between deviant behavior across the board. And that is what fundamentally bothers me about how I feel about in, in it, like my, my interpretation of what the story is doing and because it doesn't yeah. like because it only takes four minutes at the end of the film to give the character his own voice to talk about why he did what he did but it spent an hour of time doing what other characters in this world might use to justify his actions it just felt so uncomfortable and so kind of I don't know, obnoxious <laughs> for lack of a better term to me. And I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what the tone of the film was supposed to be based on what it was choosing to spend its runtime on. And if this was a series, if this was a show where one episode was devoted to his personal life and, and his interactions with other people in the wor world Maybe it wouldn't have bothered me, but because it's a significant portion of the runtime of this film, it just feels like that's a very intentional choice. And maybe this film is based on source material that chose to take that route and the source material is outdated. But it just, I, I don't, I, something about it just really rubbed me the wrong way and kept me at a distance from what the story that this, this film was trying to tell. And I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to reconcile 
what it's doing with how I see it doing it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that that's interesting. And I think it's interesting. I don't feel like a lot of Frank Tassone's personal life is really in the movie. There there are scenes, but I don't feel like the majority of the runtime is unraveling those so much as the way they play out feel like big reveals and that aspect of a quote big reveal is what feels incommensurate to the thing that it's revealing so so maybe i'm reading too much into lines that ray romano speaks towards him because we're watching a bunch of runtime devoted to his personal life and then ray romano's character says things like Semi quote. We all notice it, or it's not like right. you've been doing a good job of hiding it. Or that there's a bunch of lines that that the way Ray Romano reacts to Hugh Jackman's lifestyle implies that the other characters have an opinion about his actions based on his lifestyle, and. Mm. And maybe like so, yeah. I I just think that there are a lot of like little flags that go up as I watch this film, and once I start to go like, hmm, that seems a little strange. I can't not see those as the film goes forward. And I I right. sitting at home, watching on a laptop with headphones, as my teacher girlfriend works on prepping class for the following week's remote teaching. It, it's, I don't, I don't know. There, there's, I don't know if I can impartially watch this. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I understand that. That's really interesting. So two things there. One, that conversation with Ray Romano, the implication I took was they all know he is living beyond his means. Not they all know the intermediate nodes that are hidden about his life. So much as his desire to impress you know, but in that scene, he was specifically talking about the need to have plastic surgery to keep a young something look to him, right? Like I, I feel like the, it, it was within it was within the context of him just having finished getting a lift tuck. I don't know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know plastic surgery terms. Yeah, I just I, I think the the obsession that he is hinting at there is Frank's desire to seem immaculate like to seem perfect and in the upper echelon of society right that that was how i read it 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 very well may be carrying a bunch of other connotations about his personal life yeah i think a it would be very interesting to rewatch the front runner with this movie because in the front runner hugh jackman plays gary hart who is a beloved presidential candidate the democratic front runner who gets knocked down by a extramarital affair that he's having. Yeah. And you get the same thing of the character being a smooth talker, being very good at his job and trying to use that to justify his behavior and getting caught in a lie, right? Because he is so good at smooth talking that he backs himself into a corner for this thing that he did that should not really have been the biggest deal in the world but because he lies about it it becomes a big deal you know yeah um and and i think this movie kind of plays the same way where frank is a character who is very good at his job right he remembers everyone's name he knows every student's name he knows what they do they know he knows when they graduated when he meets a student he had a decade ago he remembers what they did and an essay they wrote you know he he is a very good teacher and that same charisma and ability to remember people becomes an obsession with being the best and being beloved and talking his way out of trouble when he does things and feeling invincible in a way. And I think it is important to note he began as a teacher. And I think the teacher version of him has every right to want all this, right? The teacher version of him is undervalued, is underpaid, does so much and gets so little respect for it. The superintendent version of him to this day, according to the end of the movie, receives a $180,000 stipend, right? Like, a, uh, like that is what he retires with. Yeah. So he was doing great, right? It, it, was, it was not like he was 
an unsung hero who was not being recognized. He just wanted even more. To him, yeah, I, the bar I, was not, I, am I, I living great, but am I living like a Wall Street banker, you know? So I am curious, within the, obviously, $178,000 or whatever it was that he was making this stipend, even after the conclusion of whatever transpires in this film, um, obviously that's awesome. Like, you can live in San Francisco for that much. Like, that's that's great. Um, yeah, you can certainly live in Long Island for that much. Yeah, yeah. But there's still a context of him understanding that the board, who are right. theoretically doing less work than he is, but are just giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down on whether or not X thing is going to pass, those people are still making more than him. So in the context of, I mean, this gets into all sorts of crazy fucking stuff where it's like, how well off is well off, right? Like if no matter how well off you are, you can still live at the level at which your well-offness is adjusted to the world in which you exist in, right? Right. You like, can always find equilibrium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you're making a level of money that allows you to live there and not worry every time you get a paycheck that you'll have enough to pay for your means, there is still a level at which somebody is going to be more comfortable than you are. And if you spent every waking hour trying to make sure that you're good at your job and doing a, a well thing, it's it's not unreasonable to hope that you are more comfortable every time your paycheck came in. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think that this film is dealing with a character that exists in a place where he should be 100% comfortable. And maybe in his, his city that he lives in, he is 100% comfortable. But if he works every day with people that are working less hard than him who make double or triple or whatever it is that they make. I, I don't know. There, there, there's, it's not hard to understand why he thought this little harmless act would be okay for him to do. Right. And, and I think that this film spends less time trying to talk about the ethics of the action that he took versus the benefit that he provided to his community and spends more time talking about his personal life which has no context related to the actions that he took. Um, yeah, I, th I think I can agree with that. And I do think the film overall is, it's interesting because it is a character study of this very particular character who, again, I think Jackman does a really great job of inhabiting this person. I, I've not watched any footage of the real Frank Tassone, so I have no idea how accurate it is, but yeah. it certainly is very fully realized. But I think even though it is a character study, it's less interested in the story than it is about the motivation and hierarchy of embezzlement, right? About what, what it takes to allow this. So we have the different people on the totem pole. You have Frank, who is the lord of his kingdom, but then there's the board above him, and they are the people that he looks up to who he thinks, wow, if they have that, God knows I deserve more than I'm getting. And then you have Pam Gluckin below him, Allison Jalini's character, who is like, look, I'm going to get a piece of the pie. I'm the one who's running the books, right? And then below her, you have her niece, and you have all these different... You have this cascade of people who each have that same motivation of, look, if I skim a little piece, it is no big deal. I'm undervalued. I'm underpaid. I might as well get my due. I'm still providing value. And I think the movie does not want the board to be let off the hook at all, right? The movie does not think Frank is worse than the board that is avoiding him. Yeah. He is just the fall guy. He's the guy who did the explicit crime rather than the more broad social problem of taking tons of money off the back of public funding. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I think this movie has a little bit of cynicism to it, where it, it wants you to follow the story, but it also wants you to kind of hate everyone in the orbit of the story. And yeah, this character is more like just a symbol of that, but he is not the worst offender. He just happens to be the really charismatic person who is a good indicator of the problem. So so it's interesting if you try to like look at the difference between Jenny's character and Jackman's character, mm -hmm. we don't spend enough time with like 
So our view of Jackman is that he likes to have plastic surgery and he wears suits all the time. But besides that, and besides discovering that he has a other apartment in another city with his partner, we don't see him trying to live a explicitly extravagant life, right? Like Allison Janney's character, she's throwing a big party at her fucking mansion and talking about how she wants to try and remodel to make things even more awesome, right? And the whole reason, like, this is a story about how a high schooler stumbles upon this embezzlement scheme. But really, the reason why everything comes to light is because the niece of the person being the most extravagant does some stupid shit and i think bring... the son of the person being the most extravagant is actually the tip-off right the yeah sorry the, the, the nephew no is it the son oh yeah son so yeah 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 sorry sorry anyways the son does something stupid is approached by a store manager and makes a decision which leads to information coming out and i think that there is a huge difference between hugh jackman's character as we see him and Allison janney's character as we see her and I, and I, I, the film never reconciles that difference because what it wants to do is split time between maybe Alice and Janney is the only character who is embellishing and then, oh shit, Hugh Jackman was also embellishing. And then it, it sort of, it doesn't know how to contain that difference and how to contain that justification as a separate thing, right? Like, we spend so much time with Hugh Jackman, but we don't spend time with him explaining why he's doing what he's doing. And I, I, I just, I, I find the overall decision to split the narrative that much frustrating in a way where it's like, we all agree Allison Janney was a horrible person who wanted to use the school district's money to add four extra floors to her apartment or whatever the fuck she was trying to do. But Hugh Jackman didn't really have fancy apartments. Yes, he does. I, I think a, there's a lot of shorthand in Upper East Side apartment with a view looking out. You know, I, that is a nice ass place. It, it is, but it, it's a nice ass place that, in the movie. But it's a nice ass place that's shared with another person, and it's not overly extravagant, right? Like it, or it's, like first class tickets to London. It, I, I no, do think no, no, I, I mean so, the reality so, so, too. The, the real story but, behind no, 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 this oh, is okay. The okay. first class tickets to a conference that he was already going to is an obvious is an obvious excess of a thing that was already being granted. Right, the hmm. fact that he booked a second ticket for another person to come with him is an obvious obvious extravagance. But he was already going to a conference in a place. He's not inventing, he's not making up a conference and then flying to Rome to spend a honeymoon or something like that, right? It, it's not like a situation where he's inventing a reason to spend money. He's already taking a trip to a thing that the company is sending him to and he's booking first class instead of coach, which... Right, right. His, his justifications are a little bit easier to trace than Alison Chaney's. I'll, I'll yeah, give you yeah. that. She is directly cooking the books and he is doing an extension of what many people have done. You know, I mean, in grad school, a ton of us would go to conferences and people who had significant others, their significant other would buy a ticket, but they would crash in their hotel and they would find a reason to not have to share a hotel with another attendant, right? Like they would yeah, do yeah. things to try to reap a little bit of the benefit yeah. in a way that felt harmless. Other people. <laughs> hey, I was single in grad school. That that one is other people. <laughs> Um, touche steven touche yeah but nobody saw my air quotes that i was doing over meat i just I, I think the fact that he has an internal justification for the way he did things is a feature not a bug he yeah. is the more sympathetic version of this slippery slope of stealing and embezzling money because the that london trip is a good example you know emotionally yeah i am already going there i'm not making up this thing 
I'm making it nicer and I'm bringing another person along. But the reality is that is the difference between paying like 1.5 grand and paying 25 grand. You know, that is a huge difference in, in reality as to how much money you are taking from the district. And all of those little things add up, right? I, I have a company and we're providing a service, but maybe it's only worth 80 grand and I'm charging 800 grand for it. Like that adds up a lot. And I think a more interesting version of this movie would not be the short time capsule present tense version, but would be the past tense. Let's watch how it led to this moment. And you would kind of see the watershed moments of realizing what you can get away with and how quickly you find yourself in over your head. Cause I do think that is, I don't think the film wants us to hate this character at all. And the real life story is that Alison Janney's character embezzled more money, at least as far as anyone yeah. knows, like she did take much more in the end. And her punishment, I think, was higher than his punishment, too. He just was the face of it because he was this outward figure, a charismatic figure who knew everyone, who talked a big game. And the gap between how he acted and what he was doing is what made it an interesting character study. So I, I think the movie is enjoying that, not painting him as a villain. Yeah, like he made a big deal when Alice and Janney got caught for what he, she was doing. He made a big deal that caused her to have an extreme reaction to his reaction to her reaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. I just, I think the film is not, I don't know. I, 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 I found it felt like, it felt like the story couldn't be told by somebody who cared about telling what they thought was the reality and somebody who was given the task of telling a story. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think I follow you. I, I do think the the storytelling at play here is muddled. And to me that is the the real knock against this movie is I don't think it has fully decided what it wants to say. I just don't think it is passing obvious judgment on its characters so much as relishing in the banal crime of the film i i think it, it it's enjoying that like ridiculousness of this hierarchy of capitalist stupidity and it yeah. isn't really i don't think it is vilifying any one character as much as the people in the film are vilifying each other and, and i think that that difference is important to to note I, I think you're exactly right with what you said. It, it It isn't passing obvious judgment. And I think that that is honestly the thing that bugs me the most, is that its judgment, which it is putting forth, is not obvious. <laughs> like, it, it feels like it's doing something that makes me think it's making a point, but it doesn't do enough work to back up the point it's trying to make. And I can't, it it just, too much of it makes me just like shake my head and say why. And I can't, I can't get on board with like, we watch a lot of films that are technically message films, whether or not they're trying to be broadly message films in the sense of, I will teach everyone who watches this film to think like I think, or whether it's a film that is like, hey, I'm just posing a question and asking you to think about it. And you do whatever you think from it. This film seems like it's saying things as as though it wants to pass a message, but nothing about this story implies the message that mm-hmm. the scene to scene beats feel like they're passing. And then when I watch it, I just I don't jive with it. And there's too many things that I disagree with or that I feel seem strange given our modern context for this film that make me just kind of shy away from whatever it is that this film is doing. Like the performances are great, but if I take it at its word, what it's saying at the script level, it bugs me. Yeah. I, I can see that. I do think tonally it plays like a vice where there should be a kind of very didactic lesson at the heart of it of, can you believe these guys? You know, the vice, the, the movie, I, I know that's also a noun, <laughs> but it's also a series on HBO. Right. 
I, I think tonally it plays like a message movie that is trying to get you to have your mind blown at the ridiculousness of the scale of evil of one person. But the actual heart of the film is not that. And I think that ambiguity is why it hits me in a kind of odd place. But I still had way more fun with it than I did have any issue with the way that it told its story. Cool. Should we get to verdicts? <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? I would give this a recommend with a caveat. I think there is a lot to recommend this movie. The performances are great. Again, I'm not sure I've seen Hugh Jackman do better than this anywhere. Um, love me some Ray Romano. Loved kind of the whole cast rounding out the the affair. I had a good time with it. I do think the storytelling is a little muddled, and it the tone it strikes is at odds with the story it's telling in a way that feels kind of understated and cartoonish at the same time. And I had a lot of fun with that combination, but I don't fully know what it is trying to get at. And when I don't know why a thing is happening, I feel inevitably just a little less hot on it than I would if I think I get it. So film confused me, but I had a lot of fun with it. And I think it has <laughs> just a ton of texture and color to the story and this kind of mundane white collar crime that is taking place. And I, I, I really liked that focus. I'm going to give it a pass with a caveat. Um, I think the caveat in this case is that the performances are amazing. I think Alison Janney, um, Hugh Jackman, Ray Romano, so many of these characters provide an amazing performance to a story that I feel personally is too muddled and I don't understand what is trying to be said. So I, for me, it's a pass. But the caveat is that you get to watch some people put in an A-plus performance for what they've been asked to do. So there you have it. But yeah, that is going to bring us to the end of our review of Bad Education. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so over at Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Bad Education, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, we technically have one more episode for you um, this weekend, which is a review of Extraction. I am, of course, re-recording the outro to this episode because of how messy it got right there at the end. Um, if Extraction makes it to you, you'll find out exactly why. So take care, and maybe we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.